We're getting, uh, we're getting near the end of our um, series on, um, on my prayers for you, on what I pray for you. Um, not because I've run out of things that I pray for, uh, you know, but it's more of a logistics, it's more of a logistics thing. It, it's, it, you know, um, summer has always been a little bit jumbled as far as preaching and preaching schedule. I've been taking my vacation um, during summer while Jenny's off and the kids are off and the grandkids are off. Um, and so it gets a little jumbled and it just seemed like a good a good uh, break. But also um, things will change a little bit more because uh, uh, Jenny retires on Thursday. So no longer just limited to... Oh, I'm I'm thrilled. Let me tell you, I'm doing a happy dance, um, but uh, it's a good thing. So anyway, we are going to do our family vacation this summer. Uh, we're heading to uh, back into the Pigeon Forge area, um, and we we've gone there. It seems like every three years, but it's been fun. We've we've obviously enjoyed it. Um, so it just seems like this is a good good to be wrapping up this series this week, next week, and uh, then we're gonna. Step aside from this for a while. But the prayer we're talking about today uh, is, uh, you know, and I lift this one up to God pretty much every day. Um, You know, and it's, you know, in my prayers for you, I pray that God will help you make disciples for him. This has been a very consistent prayer. Probably, this is probably one of the things I pray for you the most. I was going to say the one I pray for you the most, and it might be, but um, you know, I, I pray this often that you will make disciples for Him. You know, people who will come to know Jesus as their Savior, uh, because uh, yeah, that that is really the critical issue there. And then that you will help them grow in that knowledge, that knowledge of the new of their new life, you know, a new way of living is really what what's involved with a relationship with Christ, a whole new way of living and given a, that new direction, you know, our life uh, following a new direction and a, a new course, not just on our own and not just our own, uh, new motivations and new focus, you know. And I pray that God will help you make disciples for Him. Let's pray, and we're going to get into this a little bit more. Father, thank you that somebody uh, came along and shared the gospel with us and helped us to see and know who you are, but also helped us to grow in you. They didn't just leave us on our own. We weren't just left on our own, and for that I'm very grateful. I thank you for those who have poured into me, who made it their goal uh, to make, uh, make disciples, and to help me to understand what you have done for us, but also what you are doing right now. So teach us from your word as we look into it. You spoke it to your disciples who happen to be us as well. So open our minds, our hearts to you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, the end of that, uh, end of that chapter, last, the closing verses in, in Matthew. It's on page 918, if you're using the Pew Bible, 918. Um, I hope what I've been sharing with you, you know, about what I pray for you, I hope it's helped you, and I hope it's helped you in several ways. First of all, just simply knowing that somebody's praying for you about some of these things. It's been great encouragement to me to know that I have some people praying for me. 
and praying for me about some very specific things. I have a, I have a group um, that my uh, prayer warriors that pray for me. I give them a list every week of what's, what it looks like to me looking forward, what my life's going to unfold like in the next week. Yeah, sometimes it's very different. And they're aware of the fact that sometimes it's very different. You know, so they pray for me. One of the things they do pray for me, too, is you know, that God will help me to adjust to the changes that, that no doubt will come along. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's comforting to know, and I hope you found some comfort in knowing, uh, you know, what it is that I'm praying for you. But also I hope that you might start praying some of these prayers for other people as well. Uh, you know, that, that would maybe motivate, motivate you in, in that regard. And I hope you've been learning more of God's heart as we've been looking at these uh, scripture passages and his provision for you. Uh, you know, it would be a shame if this was wasted time. It would be a shame if you uh, went through these and, you know, and you listen to God's word on Sunday morning and that it has no effect. Um, you know, that would be a shame. I hope it does continue to transform your life. Pick up with me, verse 16. Matthew chapter 28, the eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this is a very familiar passage. Uh, you've no doubt heard it before. You've heard, I'm sure, some other sermons on it. Uh, I've preached on, on this before. I simply want to share with you how God unfolded this passage for me as I studied this week. Uh, we're told the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee. Well, you know... It, I see, I'm sharing with you characteristics of disciples that I see here. And there's the first one for us. Well, let me, well, let me explain what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner. You know, a disciple is a learner. It says that the disciples, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, and they're a learner, one who follows one's teaching. So here, you know, these are the ones who follow Christ Jesus' teaching the ones who are following his teaching. You know? So what he says here is not limited to those 11 original disciples, uh, 11 because Judas bombed out in a big way, um, yeah, but the, the, the fact that it applies to all those who are following Jesus' teaching, that includes us. You know, what he says here to his disciples, he's saying to all those disciples, so these characteristics that I'm sharing with you are things that uh, should be characteristics of, of those who follow Jesus. Now, keep in mind, these are things we grow in, okay? When we're going through these, I in no way want you to be discouraged. I want you to be encouraged. These are things we grow in. They are not things that get dumped on us all at once. They are not things in which, you know, we all of a sudden we've got this, you know, that, that we know this and we can do this. That's not what it is at all. Well, it's, these are things and areas that we grow in. And, you know, we, we, as we do them, we get more, they become more and more a part of us. So when we're looking at these characteristics there, it says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. To the mountain where he, they, so what the, disciples naturally obey the Lord. 
Okay, disciples naturally obey the Lord. Now, this doesn't come naturally. We grow into naturally obeying the Lord. This is something we grow into, naturally obeying the Lord. It doesn't come natural for us. It, it, it's not a part of who we are. You know, we have old habits to let go of and new habits to begin. When I came into a relationship with Christ, uh, some, some of my old habits were obvious to me that needed to be set aside. Some weren't. And even the ones that were obvious, it doesn't mean that it was an easy thing for me to do. It was something that I had to work, that I had to grow in, and I'm still growing in. You know, when we have our set ways of responding that have to be modified, I no longer can call somebody a jerk just off the, off the bat. It takes a little while, no. Uh, you know, we, we, but the, 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 whole, the whole reality there, you know, when we have to see some things, some things that we thought were innocent or for our good, some of those we really have to see, they're destroying us. They're not helping us grow. They're helping us pull away from the Lord. And that's, that's not what we want to do. You know, and we live in a, society, in a society that does not value a relationship with God. Our society doesn't do that at all. We have to learn and grow into what it means to naturally obey the Lord because our natural bent is toward ourself and not toward God. So we need to develop this natural bent toward God. All of these things take time. They require growth. It's not something, you know, that, that uh, you know, you can, I mean, we all have done where we've looked at somebody and we said, boy, I wish I could be like, I, I wish I could be like them. Well, you know, grow, grow and, and be more what God's called us to be. That's what it is. The disciples learn to obey him. And it's not out of fear or out of duty. Uh, you know, we learn to obey him as a natural response because we've learned we, you know, what we learn is that he is right. You know, he's always right. And we learn that, and that's for our good to know that and to understand that. He's not, he, you know, he's not guessing and saying, well, I think this is best. No, he knows what is best. He knows, he's, given us, he's given us his word so that we can look and we can see, you know, how's the best way to live life. How is the best way that's not only going to help us avoid problems, but going to help us get out of problems when we have them and when we're in them, to be able to you know, not only know what sin is, but to be able to leave sin behind, and he unfolds that for us. He is always right, you know, and we grow to understand he always has our best interest at heart. He is for us, not against us. He is for our good. He is not against us. And we might read something and we'd say, well, that's, you know, I, I don't want to do that. Remember, it's for our good. He's guiding us so that we will, so that we will be able to live in, in a manner that helps us to enjoy all that he has for us. Though, so that we might know life and we might have life and have it to the full, he says. And this is what he guides us toward. This is what he directs us toward. And learning, you know, learning those things helps us to naturally obey him, even when it's inconvenient or difficult. Now, about three and a half years before this incident we're reading about in Matthew 28, about three and a half years before this, um, you know, these 11 men individually encounter Jesus. You have Peter and Andrew, you know, they were following, they were followers of John the Baptist. And then you have James and John who were fishing with their father. Matthew, who was at a tax collector's booth. 
You know, you had, all of these all of these people came along and, and individually, you know, met him. And Jesus called them to come and follow him. Jesus called them to come and be a disciple of his. <clears throat> called them to come and learn what it means to follow him. You know, and that transition of being his disciples, it was a bit difficult. It was a bit inconvenient. They had to learn a whole new way of living. I can't imagine that Simon the Zealot, who was, the fact that he was a zealot, think of Simon the Revolutionary. Simon the one, no, no, that's not Simon Peter, this is a different Simon. Simon the one who was working against the Roman occupation, who saw the Roman occupation as one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest um, problems and, and hindrances to, to life. And so you have Simon the Zealot, and what, who does Jesus call? Matthew the Sellout. Well, you know, the, the, guy, the, guy who was, the guy who was working for Rome, who Simon was opposing. And they had to learn. They had to learn what it meant to follow Jesus. They had to learn what it meant to follow him and not simply, you know, not simply go off on, on, on whatever it was, you know, fighting against, uh, against Roman occupation or making your living. You know, not just fighting against those things. And they came to realize that Jesus was the Messiah who they had been waiting for, so they followed him, and they followed him every day. They lived with him. You know, they, they traveled together. They went from town to town. They interacted with people, and they followed him every single day for three and a half years until his crucifixion. Well, then things just took a decided turn for them. And everything they thought they were working for and everything they thought they had together was just kind of falling apart. And then three days later, you know, the devastation of the crucifixion was replaced by the confusion of, of the resurrection. They just, didn't, they just didn't get all this. Now between Jesus' resurrection and the ascension, which is what we have here in Matthew 28, between those, uh, you know, Jesus' disciples, it seems very clear that they did not physically walk with him every day, every minute of every day, as they had before his crucifixion. They were learning to do life. They were learning to carry on ministry, you know, the aspects that Jesus did while he was walking with them. And they were learning this, you know, they were learning that, you know, to naturally obey what they had learned from the Lord over those three and a half years. And now they were learning to naturally obey it because he wasn't long, he wasn't there anymore. You know, it's standing there in their presence, holding their hand, helping them. The one, he was the one leading the work. Now they were learning that how it was to live on their own. They were growing to naturally obey the Lord. They were growing in that process. I've always found the next verse very interesting. It says, uh, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. There's really a couple of characteristics here in this verse. The first one is that uh, disciples worship Christ Jesus. They worship him. You see, they came to realize that he is God. They grew in their realization of who he is. When you read through the Gospel of John, and as you're reading the Gospel of John, and you'll come across a phrase several times, and it says, and then they believed. Something happened, it says, and then they believed. And you think, well, that's a good thing. And then you read a, you know, a few more chapters, and then something else happens, it says, and then they believed. Well, wait a second, I thought they believed back there. 
you know, and it comes over, you know, and it's repeated several times, you know, through the Gospel of John, and then they believed, and then they believed, and then they believed. You see, because they were growing in this whole realization of who he was. And when they realized more and more who he, who he was, they came to that place where they worshipped him. They didn't worship him at first. When they first met him and they, they, you know, first even were following him, they didn't worship him. And really, it isn't even until, it isn't even until, uh, you know, I think that, well, I don't know. I mean, we're not told exactly what nailed it. Nailed it? Boy, that's a bad one to say. Is the crucifixion, I think. There was so much confusion, and then you have the crucifixion, and then you have the resurrection. There is where I think they stepped into worship. They began to realize, and they could say before, you know, you're, you're the Christ, you know, you're the Messiah. But here, then they stepped into this whole reality of what it means to, to worship. And they didn't worship him as a trade-off. Well, we'll worship you if you do this for us. You know, it wasn't a quid pro quo thing. It wasn't a you know, tit-for-tat type of thing. They grew in their understanding that Jesus is the Christ and that he himself is God. And as they grew in that understanding, then the, then the worship came more naturally to them. It, it became more a, a part of who they are. They worshiped because they got a glimpse of the greatness and the love of God as they followed him. And it all began to come into place. I think each day unfolded more and more of his greatness, more and more of his love as he made himself available to the crowds. You know, and, and, the, and the, the people are pushing in around him and, and he makes himself available to them. And he taught the truths of God in parables and in his discussions with the Jewish leaders. And they got to see all of this. He raised the widow's only son to life again, to, to, to be able to care for his mother. You know, they saw his love. He healed a woman who had been unclean for years. An issue of blood would make her unclean, and he healed her. And she had, he actually touched a leper, something they should never have done. And they see this unfolding in his life. And disciples, you know, they, they worship because they know who he is, but also because they know that he loves us in spite of ourselves. You know, that in spite of ourselves, he still loves us. Now, these 11 guys, you know, here, they, they, were, they used to spend, a, a, you know, a fair amount of time arguing which one of them was Jesus' favorite. Who's going to be at the right? Who's going to be at his right hand? No, me, no. Well, well you know, and, and the Sons of Thunder, great name, but then the wimps got their mother involved, um, mama's boys. Anyway, uh, you know, to lobby for them, you know. Uh, they, they argued about that. They complained about the crowds because, you know, they were tired and they, wanted, they just wanted to be left alone and they complained about the crowds. Send them away, they said. And then they complained because Jesus told them to feed this overwhelming crowd. We can't possibly do that. You know, all, all these wages, we, 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 don't, we don't have any, even money to get the stuff. You know, they complained. They, they, they thought he was being irrational when he wanted to know who touched him as they traveled along in a crowd with people, with people bumping. You know, and he said, who touched, who touched you, Lord? What do you mean, who touched you? You see all these people, all, you know... Take any dozen of them. Who, who, you know, what do you mean who it is who touched you? Peter pulls him aside to straighten out his theology. You know, when Jesus is telling them about the crucifixion, and Peter pulls him aside and says, no, Lord, this, this isn't going to happen. You know, this isn't going to happen. And, and then Peter angrily 
denies Christ to save himself. And Jesus hears him. Uh, Yet he still loved them. He still loved them. And he still loves us. You know, we get weary, even if we're following Christ, uh, you know, even if we're you know, following him, he, we get weary. So, he, you know, so God tells us, he says, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Galatians, he says, so we must not get tired of doing good. We do sometimes. He says, don't get tired of doing good. We'll all reap at the proper time if we don't give up. To the Thessalonians, he said, Brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Don't let doing good beat you down. he, he, He helps us when we're weary, but he also helps us when we sin. He doesn't help us sin. He forgives our sin. Isaiah chapter 1. Come, let us discuss this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they'll be like wool. 1 John 1.9, written to Christians, written to those who are walking with the Lord, or supposed to be walking with the Lord. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He gives us strength when we're weary. He forgives our sin. And he continues. He continues to forgive because he knows that we are continuing to grow. We are continuing to learn. You know, we are continuing to, follow, to know how to follow him better. To how to follow him more fully without holding part of ourselves back. You know, to follow him living each day. Living each day in worship to him. Living each day out as worship to him. The second characteristic of a disciple comes from the end of verse 17. And I always found this interesting. But some doubted. Really? I mean, after all they saw in person? I mean, they were standing right there when he healed these people. They were listening as he taught these people. Really? You know... Some doubted. Yet they still came to the mountain to meet him. Because you see, disciples bring their doubts to God. They bring their doubts to God. There's nothing, you need to realize it, there's nothing wrong with having doubts. You know, he says there, but some doubted. It's how we handle the doubts that makes a huge difference. If if we allow those doubts to drive us away from God, that's not a good thing. But if we allow those doubts to draw us to God, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't understand. Help me understand this, Lord. You know, if our doubts and our confusion draw us to God, you see, those those are, are, are good things. That's what he wants. Disciples learn to bring their doubts to God. You know, they don't walk away. They come to God with their doubts because they know he has the answers. 
You know, we know he has the answers, you know, because disciples know God wants us to know all we can handle at the moment. You see, he wants us to grow. We think, we think we can handle more than we can. But he knows. It says his disciples in John 12, his disciples did not understand these things at first. John chapter 12 is getting, you know, it, there's 21 chapters in John, but John chapter 13 is the Last Supper. John chapter 13, you know, begins that, that, uh, that last week, you know, well, earlier, you know, begins, but John chapter 13 begins those last hours, those, that last day of his life. So John 12, you know, you're getting pretty near, near the end there, chronologically. And he says his disciples didn't understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things that had been written about him. And all of the things, you know, began to fall into place a little bit. Not all of them because they continued to learn, you know. Then they remembered these things that had been written about him and that he had done these things. John chapter 13, Jesus answered them, what I am doing now you don't understand now. But afterward, you will know. Sometimes we don't know and we don't understand because we can't handle it right now. John chapter 16, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. John chapter 20, for they still did not understand the scriptures that he must raise from the dead. You ever have a hard time understanding scriptures? These guys who walked with him personally mentored by Christ, still didn't understand the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it. You know, you couldn't take it yet. Disciples come to God with their doubts because they know there's no one better to turn to. I really like this passage in John 6. He says, therefore, Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to go away to you, too, do you? This was after Jesus had shared with them and told them, you know, my body is, is, is you know, the real food. My blood is a real drink. And it says some of them got, oh, dude, we can't take this. And it says, and he turned and walked away. Jesus says to the others who are standing there, to, to the twelve, you don't want to go away, too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We have come to believe. You see, they grow. They had to grow in their understanding to know that he is God. They had to grow to know that they should stick with him even through their doubts. They had to grow in that. That leads us to the next characteristic I see in verse 18. It says, Then Jesus came near. And said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So, I'll explain this one to you. Disciples intentionally spend time with Christ Jesus. As I was looking at this verse, that phrase, then Jesus came near, caught my attention. As I was looking at this. Now think through this. These 11, they intentionally 
rearrange their schedule to come and spend time with Jesus. You know, they after the resurrection, and then they, you know, they were doing some of their other things, and they were, you know, not only earning a living, but you know, carrying on some type of ministry. Possibly, it seems. But then they're called to go to this mountain to meet Jesus, and they had to rearrange their time to go to meet with Him. Even those who had doubts rearranged their time, you know, to go and meet with Him, because they did that. Because they, they rearranged it and went where he, where he was, where he told them, they were where God called them to be when Jesus came near to talk with them. Now we're told all 11 were there, you know, if, if it would have unfolded like the, the uh, uh, appearance to the disciples in the upper room and Thomas wasn't there. Uh, you know, then, then Thomas missed out on that on that first appearance with with the other disciples. If one of them would have been missing here, they would have missed out on this time where then Jesus came near. But it says that we're told all of them were there, and because they did that, they were there when God, you know, they were where God called them to be. They were where he called them to be. It says, and Jesus came near and talked with them. He taught them more. He added to their understanding. He, he, he was able to put into them because they were there. They grew in their understanding of Jesus and they grew in their walk with Jesus because they were there, because he told them to come, because he told them to be you know, together there on the mountain and they were there. Then they were in that place where they needed to be when, when he was there and he was teaching them these things. Disciples arranged their schedule to spend time with God and his people. You know, that, that we intentionally spend time together. This is what God calls us to do. Matthew chapter 18. Again, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. That intentionality of being together with those who know the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10. And let us uh, be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You cannot encourage one another if you aren't together with one another. You can't do that. You cannot, that concern about one another happens best when we are together with one another. Promoting love and good works for one another happens best when we are together as he tells us to. Disciples intentionally spend time with Christ Jesus and with other disciples. Intentionally. Very intentionally work out their life and arrange it so they can do that. The last part of verse uh, verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. See, disciples serve in, the, in Jesus' authority and power. We serve in his authority and power. Uh, you know, while we use our gifts and abilities, you know, we need our power to take us beyond what we can do in ourselves. Luke's Gospel ends, and uh, then the book of Acts, also written by Luke, picks up. And the Gospel ends very similar to how Matthew does. And then in Acts 1a, he picks up with a little bit more 
dynamic unfolding of the ascension of Christ, of Christ going up, which is, you know, that's what it says, you know, that that's when they began, that's when they began to understand, that's when things began to come together for him. And what, part of what was, uh, what Jesus told him there, he says, but you will receive power. You know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, I've asked you to make disciples. I want you to be my witnesses and I will give you the power to do that, he said. You know, when we use, we use our gifts, abilities in his power. What we're going to be looking at a little bit on, on Wednesday, Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of yourselves more highly than he should think. Instead... Think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. We serve in his authority, we serve in his power, as God has distributed that measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, according to the grace given us. According to the grace gift, we serve in his power and in his authority. You see, it, 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 he is the one who gives us that grace. He is the one who gives us those gifts. First Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning what comes from the Spirit, brothers. We serve in his power and his authority. What comes from the Spirit, brothers. I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be led off to idols that you know, could not speak. Therefore, I am informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God you see that power and authority of Christ. No one, you know, speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person. As a demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. We serve in his power and in his authority. And it comes from him. Ephesians chapter 4. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. We serve in his power and in his authority. It says, and he personally gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, teachers, pastors and teachers for the training of the saints in the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. We serve in his power and in his authority. He tells us to make disciples. He tells us you know, that we go in his authority and in his power that he makes available to us. That comes into play more as we move through the rest of these verses. It says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus calls us to be disciples. He calls us to be learners. He calls us to be followers of him. And he calls us to be growing as disciples. You know, we are to grow as a disciple, one who follows him and, you know, to make other disciples, to make others who follow him. 
growing to naturally obey Him and worship Him, bringing our doubts to Him as we intentionally spend time with Him and His people. Disciples continue to grow themselves and help others grow. That takes us to verse 19, which is where we're going to pick up with next week. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, again, those who came along and shared with us the reality of what it means to have a relationship with you. Thank you for the growth you've allowed us to have as we have given our life to you, as we have followed you, as we have intentionally put ourselves in the place where, uh, where you are and where you want us to be, that we might be those who will be continuing growing in you. Thank you for your forgiveness or when we mess up. I thank you for your love that continues to draw us forward. I thank you for your power and in your authority is what we minister in, not our own doing, not our own being but only as, as, it, uh, as, as we bring ourselves before you and open ourselves to you. Continue that transformation process, Father. Guide us, help us to be those disciples who are learning, those disciples who are growing, those disciples who are better at living for and following you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those who poured into us that we might pour into others. Continue to help us. Help us be yours. More and more each day we ask in Christ's name. Amen.